This evening is from Second Chronicles, if you'll turn with me, in Second Chronicles chapter 32, we'll read verses 1 through 8. Hear now the word of the living God. After these things and these acts of faithfulness, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and invaded Judah and encamped against the fortified cities, thinking to win them for himself. And when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come and intended to fight against Jerusalem, he planned with his officers and his mighty men to stop the water of the springs that were outside the city. And they helped him. A great many people were gathered. And they stopped all the springs in the brook that flowed through the land, saying, Why should the kings of Assyria come and find much water? He set to work resolutely and built up all the wall that was broken down and raised towers upon it. And outside it he built another wall and he strengthened the Milo in the city of David. He also made weapons and shields in abundance. And he set combat commanders over the people and gathered them together to him in the square at the gate of the city and spoke encouragingly to them, saying, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed before the king of Assyria and all the horde that is with him. For there are more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people took confidence from the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. It is precious to us. And Lord, these events that are recorded for us that happened over 2,000 years ago, we thank you, Lord, that you have recorded these for our instruction. As we read in Romans chapter 15, that whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction that through the perseverance and encouragement of the scriptures that we might have hope as we learn of you, Lord Jesus, to trust you and to follow you. We thank you for the testimony of this godly king of Judah, King Hezekiah. And we ask, O Lord, that the mighty work you did in his heart you would do in our hearts the mighty revival and reformation that you granted in his day, that, Lord, you would be pleased to come down in our day and that you would touch the hearts of the people, not only ourselves but all those around us and throughout our nation uh, to grant repentance and faith in you. O Lamb of God, bless now as we look at your word together, we rejoice 
to be your little lambs. Be the good shepherd as you have promised and lead us uh, beside the still waters and the green pastures and in your paths, the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Equip us, Lord, for those times that you lead us through the valley of the shadow of death. Uh, For those times that are difficult, remind us that you are with us and that your rod and staff would indeed be our comfort and our strength and our stay. Lord God, we thank you that we have not a, a king with clay feet like King Hezekiah was, but you, O King of kings, O Lord Jesus, that you are a perfect king. And so, Lord, there, there is much for us to learn, and we ask that you would come and you would feed us the bread of heaven this evening. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, uh, we saw last Lord's Day of the revival that God granted in the days of Hezekiah. Uh, The priests were called to service again, and um, God has given us the privilege of being a kingdom of priests. Uh, We have much work to do. Uh, The Lord Jesus, he is that glorious king uh, who is also our prophet and our priest, and our eyes are upon him. Well, the Lord has recorded yet uh, more blessings that he showered upon his people in the days of King Hezekiah. And tonight we want to look at verses 1 through 8 of chapter 32, uh, where we see uh, in verse 1, after these things and these acts of faithfulness, uh, King Hezekiah, um, right from the start of his reign, um, was uh, seeking the face of God. And we began looking at that in chapter 29, um, the Lord blessed, uh, the Passover was um, celebrated again, uh, the priesthood uh, is called to action as the temple uh, is refurbished. After all these things and these acts of faithfulness, you would expect the next phrase to say, and great peace reigned in the land. But the Lord sent a time of testing and a time of showing God's mighty power. These really are amazing things that are recorded for us. And we see that indeed the Lord's grace was sufficient. You remember the Apostle Paul uh, in the book of 2 Corinthians, uh, in the context of him uh, of boasting of the suffering that he had been granted uh, to render 
in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, um, he uh, went from this catalog of things that he had suffered in chapter 11 in contrast to these false apostles uh, who had suffered nothing. Um, He went on then to talk about he knew a man. It's very obvious that he's talking about himself who had been caught up to the third heaven, to paradise. And he was privileged to see things that uh, no man can uh, talk about. Uh, Things uh, of the glories and the wonders of heaven. And the Lord, to keep him from exalting himself, uh, had stricken him with a thorn in the flesh. Um, There seems to be indication that it was some kind of physical malady that the Apostle Paul was stricken with. There is the guess that it had to do perhaps with his eyes uh, because uh, in the book of Galatians he talks about how these people uh, had loved him uh, even uh, when he was so uh, hideous to look at whatever this physical condition was and that they would have plucked out their eyes and given their very eyes to him uh, if they could have. Uh, Whether that is the thorn in the flesh that is being referenced here or not, we do not know. But what we do know is that he begged the Lord three times that this thorn in the flesh be taken away. And the Lord told him, no, no, no. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me, but he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And so the Apostle Paul uh, declared that uh, in this condition that he was driven to trust in the Lord and that as it would be very obvious that it was not Paul the man Uh, who was accomplishing and doing anything, but it was God's grace. It was God. And so it is in chapter 32 of 2 Chronicles. Uh, Hezekiah is brought uh, to uh, face to face with this uh, problem of his uh, insufficiency uh, to... Uh, do what is needed to be done to uh, accomplish protection uh, for God's people. But he is driven to seek the face of the Lord. And indeed, uh, when God puts us in difficulties and trials, two things 
are accomplished by our great God. The Lord drives us uh, to a renewed understanding of our utter dependence upon God. Many times we get all caught up with uh, how good uh, the blessings of God are, and we would think uh, perhaps it is God's giving us what we deserve. No, indeed. Um, God is gracious. God is good. And so trials drive us to bow before the Lord of glory. Secondly, trials are opportunities for God to show his mighty power, his greatness, his grace. And that's what we see, and it will unfold in even greater detail uh, as we go on and look at the next section in chapter 32, uh, where uh, Sennacherib, uh, he uh, makes good on his threat, and he blasphemes the living God. And King Hezekiah goes uh, to the Lord and lays uh, his situation uh, before the living God and says, oh, Lord, do you see what this pagan king is saying about you? Oh, Lord, uh, we're asking for your deliverance. Um, the Lord delivered him uh, momentarily uh, and then... Uh, he returns, and the Lord destroyed Sennacherib. Hezekiah did not even uh, have to lead uh, his army out to do battle. And we'll look at that, uh, Lord willing, next Lord's Day evening. Um, you can read more about this this coming week if you have opportunity in the book of Isaiah. Um, Isaiah was the prophet who was uh, ministering uh, at that time. And in chapter 36, 37, uh, and 38, and 39, those chapters in the book of Isaiah, but particularly chapters 36 and 37 of Isaiah, are going to focus on this situation where the Lord delivers um, his people in Hezekiah's day. And then we're going to see that Hezekiah uh, stumbled. Um, he uh, became full of pride and arrogance. You remember we saw that Hezekiah, um, he was a wonderful uh, a king. Uh, particularly when you look at all of these other kings. Hezekiah uh, stands out. And yet Hezekiah was um, sick. He cried to the Lord for mercy. God restored him. And instead of being full of praise and thanksgiving, it says that his heart became lifted up. His heart became proud. And uh, we'll, we'll look at that. But tonight we want to look at this test. And we see that Hezekiah trusted in the Lord. We see 
God's grace powerfully at work and uh, testified to uh, by this godly king. And so one of the things that we need to learn from this is that when times of difficulty come to us, it is not that God is saying, I don't love you. Um, here we see, after these things and these acts of faithfulness, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and invaded Judah and encamped against the fortified cities, thinking to win them for himself. It was a time of testing. Hezekiah had been faithful to the Lord. <coughs> he had led uh, God's people in a return to the living God as we have seen in 2 Chronicles 7, 14. Would he still stand? And yes, by the grace of God, he did. And he stood well. Well, what was his testimony? Well, we see in verse 2, and when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come and intended to fight against Jerusalem. Now, we don't know the details of exactly how long it was that Hezekiah began to sense or get word that Sennacherib was up to uh, mischief. Uh, we know that uh, the northern kingdom had fallen to Assyria, and now Sennacherib is on the scene. And Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, decides he will take Judah. He did not attack immediately. There was at least several years uh, of, of the rumblings of war. And so what did Hezekiah do? Hezekiah, first of all, he demonstrated his faith in the Christ by seeking to be faithful to do what he had been called to do. He was the king. And it is the duty of kings in the realm of civil government. Their chief task is to execute temporal justice. And that involves two basic things. It involves keeping order internally, and it involves protection uh, against evil from within and without. We see uh, that spelled out perhaps most clearly uh, over in the book of Romans, chapter 13. If you'll turn there with me. Um, one of the things we need to be praying for is that God would touch the hearts of the civil rulers in our day, uh, that they would fear God and that they would do what God Almighty assigns them to do. Their chief task is not to view themselves as the Savior to care for every aspect of life uh, in uh, this land, but their task is to execute temporal justice. In Romans chapter 13, we 
read, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God, and therefore whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. And so here we have this statement uh, of all authority comes from God. Uh, Government is from God. All human authority derives its right to rule from God Almighty in the family, in the church, in the state. All authority is from God. And this general principle that is stated there in Romans 13 is then applied to the civil magistrate, the civil ruler. He is God's servant. He has been given a physical sword to punish those who would be tares to those who are doing good. He is to be a terror to evildoers, to keep evil in check, both internally and from external threats. And so we see King Hezekiah being a faithful king. He sees this threat coming and he takes action. What did he do? Back to 2 Chronicles 32, verse 2. And when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come and intended to fight against Jerusalem, he planned with his officers and his mighty men. King Hezekiah first had a a council of his advisors. And in the book of Proverbs, Chapter 24, the Lord has much to say in the book of Proverbs about uh, the wisdom of seeking godly counsel. Now, uh, the passage we're going to look at, Proverbs 24, verse 6, For by wise counsel you can wage your war, and in abundance of counselors there is victory. And notice, it's not just any kind of counselors. Uh, that you want to listen to and surround yourself with. Uh, You remember uh, Solomon's son, Rehoboam. Uh, He had plenty of counselors, but they were not wise. Uh, They were young men who he had grown up with. Uh, They were his yes men. But Hezekiah, he consulted wise counselors. And by wise guidance, he uh, uh, made plans for uh, this defense. Uh, In abundance of counselors, there is victory. Wise counselors. And so that's the first thing that uh, Hezekiah did. Uh, And we need to take note of that. We need to pray for our own civil rulers that they would humble themselves before Almighty God and that they would seek to be wise. Um, Washington, D.C., and most of the centers of 
civil rule in our land had become characterized by waste and foolishness in our day. Praise God, there are some wonderful exceptions uh, to that here and there, but by and large, uh, we are living in a sad day. It is a call for us to pray and cry to the King of Kings uh, to raise up godly kings uh, like King Hezekiah, uh, who would seek the face of God and seek wise counselors uh, to make plans and then to put them in action. Well, one of the things that they uh, uh, talked about as they had this plan, they said, we, we are in a real difficult situation here in Jerusalem because we really don't have a water supply internally in the city. Our water supply is just outside the wall. And uh, this is a twofold problem. We don't have enough water. Uh, and the, the king who attacks us, he's going to have access uh, to the water. And so what are we going to do? Um, Hezekiah and his uh, counselors decided that they would uh, do an um, uh, engineering uh, feat. And indeed, it is an amazing uh, feat that was accomplished. Now, if you look over at the end of this chapter um, that summarizes Hezekiah's life in verse 27, of chapter 32. Hezekiah had very great riches and honor, and he made for himself treasuries for silver, for gold, for precious stones, for spices, for shields, and for all the kinds of costly vessels, storehouses also for the yield of grain, wine, and oil, and stalls for all kinds of cattle and sheepfolds. He likewise provided cities for himself and flocks and herds in abundance for God had given him very great possessions. This same Hezekiah closed the upper outlet of the waters of Gihon and directed them down to the west side of the city of David. And Hezekiah prospered in all his works. Um, if you go uh, to Jerusalem, I've never been there, but when I was in seminary one day, uh, we went to Hebrew class, and my Hebrew professor, who was very, very skilled uh, linguist, who knew Hebrew and Aramaic, uh, he, when he would get excited, uh, he would just breathe really fast. And we could tell we were in for some goodies because even before he started the class, he was just so excited. And he turned the projector on, and there was this great big tunnel on the screen. And he had us turn to these passages in Second Chronicles, and then he showed us an inscription that was found uh, there in Jerusalem at the mouth of this tunnel. And it was information about this tunnel that was constructed in Hezekiah's day. 
uh, this uh, tunnel uh, is 1,750-some feet long, and it is chiseled through solid rock uh, where the uh, uh, spring of Gihon uh, was diverted um, into this tunnel, and it flows... And there were two teams of men. This inscription describes how this tunnel was constructed. Um, Two teams. One started at one end where they would end up, and one started at the end where they began, and they began chiseling toward each other. And it's not just a straight tunnel. We don't really know uh, exactly whether they ran into things and decided, wait, we need to go this way or what. Uh, But uh, the fall from uh, beginning to end is about a foot. Uh, And these two teams met up together. And I can't remember whether it was a half inch or an inch that they were off uh, in meeting each other exactly. Uh, uh, These two teams that were chiseling through this solid rock. But there was great joy. Uh, this uh, tunnel was completed. And then if you'll look back in chapter 32. So Hezekiah and, and, and his counselors said, we've got to do something about the water supply. So the king of Assyria doesn't have our water and so that we can access uh, our water. And so in verse 2, when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come and intended to fight against Jerusalem, he planned with his officers and his mighty men to stop the water of the springs that were outside the city. And they helped him. A great many people were gathered. And they stopped all the springs and the brook that flowed through the land, saying, Why should the kings of Assyria come and find much water? He set to work resolutely and built up all the wall that was broken down and raised towers upon it. And outside it he built another wall, and he strengthened the Milo in the city of David. And so he made this tunnel. There was an army of people working on this project. It was successfully completed, and he built an additional wall now around where uh, that water source was. He built towers on these walls, And then he strengthened the Milo in this city of David. Uh, We don't know uh, uh, the details about this Milo, but the term Milo is also used uh, to just refer to terraces or earthworks. Uh, But it was to uh, make uh, the walls of the city more massive and not easily uh, uh, broken into from an invading army. Um, God blessed him and prospered him. He also made weapons and shields in abundance. And then we see that he set combat commanders over the people and gathered them together to him in the square at the gate of the city. Not only did he choose and set combat commanders, But 
he gathered them together and he spoke encouraging words to them. And we have a, a summary now of what King Hezekiah said uh, to these combat commanders. Um, he gathered them together to him in the square at the gate of the city. Um, as you know, the gate of the city was a reference to uh, uh, the uh, uh, halls of, of justice, to uh, the place of rule, um, the gate of the city. That was where the focal point of civil government was. And so he called these combat commanders uh, to gather together to him in the square at the gate of the city, and he spoke encouragingly to them. And we have these stirring words now recorded. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed before the king of Assyria and all the horde that is with him, for there are more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. So let's look for just a moment at these stirring words. Um, it is a reminder to us of what the Lord had said to his servant Joshua. If you'll turn back with me to Joshua chapter 1, here we have uh, the commission uh, of God Almighty to his servant Joshua. Joshua was Moses' uh, assistant, um, and Moses now has died. And so here now, God comes and speaks uh, to Joshua. Joshua is picked um, by the living God to be the leader of God's people. And so we read in verse 1 of Joshua 1, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, Toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, 
that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Well, if you'll turn over to chapter 5 of the book of Joshua, we see uh, how the Lord was faithful to his promise. Uh, How Joshua heeded the instructions of the Lord. And here now, uh, they are camped, uh, considering how to take Jericho. Jericho was a fortified city. Jericho was the first of all the cities uh, that they were going uh, to, at the command of the Lord, capture. And so Joshua Uh, We see in verse 10, while the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, and at Gilgal they were circumcised, Uh, that generation had neglected uh, the sign of the covenant, and um, uh, here uh, um, the reproach of Egypt has been rolled away, and you can see that up in verse 9. When the circumcising of the whole nation was finished, they remained in their places in the camp until they were healed. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And so the name of that place is called Gilgal. And it sounds like the Hebrew uh, to roll uh, away. The name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. And while the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month in the evening on the plains of Jericho. And the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. And the manna ceased the day after they ate of the produce of the land. Isn't that amazing how the Lord says, Now I'm going to take care of you. And he had rained down manna from heaven all those years as he led them wandering in the wilderness until all the men of war 20 years old and upward had died except for two old geezers, Joshua and Caleb. They are the men now who were faithful and who stood when all of those other spies had said, oh, we can't go in and take the land uh, they're giants in the land. Joshua and Caleb said, they are giants, but God will be with us. And so that very day, uh, when they ate the produce of the land, just as God had promised, that day the manna ceased. And there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. And so that's the context. And so here's Joshua. He's charged, be strong, be courageous, do not be dismayed. Uh, uh, This huge fortified city, the walls are massive. 
Uh, how are they going to take the land? And so Joshua is, is, is um, thinking about this and praying. And so we read in verse 13, When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And so here uh, he sees a warrior. He sees a man. And this man doesn't just have a sword by his side, but he's got his sword drawn, and it's in his hand. What does Joshua do? Joshua just strides right up to him, and Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? Um, bold. Courageous. Uh, Joshua is saying, If you are for us, you're welcome to serve in my army. That's the implication. If you're against us, here I am. And so what does this man that he says, are you for us or for our adversaries? He said, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. And so the Lord had promised, I will be with you. And then we read in verse 1 of chapter 6, now Joshua was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out, none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand. It is the Lord himself. It is what we refer to as a theophany, an appearance of the Christ, of the Son of God. Before he would permanently take on human flesh, he comes uh, and is there with Joshua. And so uh, what King Hezekiah now is telling the people it uh, uh, is echoes of this same commission. Be courageous. Do not be dismayed. He goes on, he says, look, I know the king of Assyria has this huge horde uh, uh, of men, but they are more with us than are with him. Now, that was not uh, uh, in numbers. Uh, he makes it plain. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. Uh, they're more with us than with him. Now, if you'll turn with me over to Second Kings... Second Kings, uh, here we have in chapter 6, Elisha the prophet and the king of Israel um, wicked. It's a time of great uh, declension in the northern kingdom. Um, the king of Syria, we read in verse 8, 
The king of Assyria was warring against Israel. He took counsel with his servants, saying, At such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God, Elisha, sent word to the king of Israel, Beware that you do not pass this place. For the Syrians are going down there, and the king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God told him, and thus he used to warn him so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. And the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing, and he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king. But Elisha the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. And he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and seize him. It was told him, Behold, he is in Dothan. So he sent their horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And so his servant gets up in the morning, you know, and he's waking up and he walks outside and he cannot believe his eyes. The, the, the city of Dothan is surrounded by this pagan army. He said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Elisha said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. You can just imagine this servant going, see, one, two, and then there's an army. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Please strike this people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. And Elisha said to them, This is not the way, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. Now Samaria was the capital city of the northern kingdom. And it goes on recounting how that when they are in the stronghold of the city, they're surrounded, and uh, the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and the king of Israel said, Shall I strike them down? And Elisha said, No, 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 no. Just, just feed them, give them a banquet, and then send them home. Uh, they won't bother you. So more with us than with them. And so that's what King Hezekiah is referring to. He is referring to the presence of God. Well, we think about in our day, the Great Commission. Uh, and he came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. 
Going, therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus promises to be with us. He promises uh, to give his mighty angels charge over us to protect us and keep us. No one can harm us apart from the permission of the King of glory. And you remember in the book of Acts, and if you'll turn with me, in chapter 18, the Apostle Paul, he was in Corinth. Um, it, it was uh, a, a time of, of threatening. Uh, we see uh, in uh, verse 8, Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you. And no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many people in this city. And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. And so not only do we see Hezekiah. Um, we want to be like him. Uh, we want to speak words of encouragement one to another when we are faced with difficulties and trials. That's one of the applications we need to make from this. We need to learn how God can use other people to encourage us. And we need to be doing that in our own homes uh, husbands and wives, parents and children, brothers and sisters, we need to be speaking words of encouragement as we read over in Hebrews chapter 3. And you can turn there with me. As we close, we're going to look at a couple of passages in the book of Hebrews. First of all, chapter 3, the Lord tells us, uh, even, even if things are difficult at times, uh, God warns us, uh, not to let go of Jesus, but to keep clinging to him. He <clears throat> has just quoted from Psalm 95 about the generation that left Egypt and perished in the wilderness as an example. And so in verse 12 <clears throat> of Hebrews 3, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God, but encourage one another day after day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Uh, we need to encourage one another. We need to be looking for opportunities to do what King Hezekiah did. It is a wonderful example to us uh, to follow in the Christ. But even beyond that, we see that Hezekiah was but a dim shadow 
of the great glorious king that God has provided for us forever. Our king Jesus, he is with us. He promises to never leave us nor forsake us. As we read in Hebrews 13, so that we can boldly say the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would write upon our hearts your word. That, Lord, as, as we remember uh, these great works that you did of old, how you stirred by your spirit in King Hezekiah's heart to be a godly civil ruler, uh, even in the face of this uh, a brutal pagan king, Sennacherib, uh, Lord, we pray that you would raise up civil rulers in our day that would fear you and do their job of protecting uh, our land so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness. Uh, for you, Lord Jesus, uh, we tremble before you when we think of the corruption and bribery and graft and, and, and uh, the intrigues that uh, surely are going on uh, all over in our land. Uh, locally, statewide, uh, Lord, uh, all over our country. Oh, Lord, we beg for mercy. Uh, we beg that you would raise up Hezekiahs in our day. And, Lord God, that you would apply these things to our own hearts, not only stir us up to pray and work and do what we can to see godly civil rulers, but, Lord, we would be those who uh, would seek godly counsel and make plans to uh, build Christian homes and Christian businesses. Uh, Lord, to uh, be a part of, of a biblical church. Protect our congregation, O Lord. Uh, Lord, we need godly, wise counsel from your word by your spirit. Uh, Lord, to live in a way that pleases you. We thank you for blessing King Hezekiah uh, in this plan to build this water uh, uh, tunnel. And Lord, it's still there to this day. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would bless the labors of our hands uh, in, in ministering to our children and grandchildren. That Lord, when we are are finished with in this life, uh, as we read there in Psalm 91, that you would establish the work of our hands uh, to serve you. Lord God, we ask that you would use us to speak words of encouragement. And most of all, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the commander of the armies of heaven and that you promise that you will never leave us nor forsake us. We thank you that you promise to be with us and you call upon us uh, to be bold and courageous uh, to stand for you in this day. Give us grace to do so, Lord. 
uh, in you and for your glory. And now bless, Lord, as we sing and conclude our worship this evening. We thank you uh, for this week that is before us and that in the morning and the evening we can offer up our praise to you and our very selves as living sacrifices. You are worthy, O living God. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.